Well, good morning, church, and I hope you are all having a fantastic morning. And fathers, I hope you were spoiled this morning. Happy Father's Day to you all. Why don't you guys take this time to comment in the comment section and let me know who's here, who's watching. Why don't you say hi? You know, today I'm really excited to be speaking to you from our series, Do You Believe in Me? And today we're wrapping up our series with faith in worship. And you know, our key scripture for this series comes from John 7:38. Whoever believes in me from his belly shall have rivers of living water flowing from him. And you know, this speaks of those who truly believe in God. We will have an abundant life. We will have the Holy Spirit flowing within us and we will be life givers. We'll bring life to everyone around us because of his spirit flowing out of us. And, you know, I think of the scripture when I think of flourishing, thriving, an abundant life. I think of the scripture, the righteous will flourish like palm trees. But, you know, when I think of a palm tree, I don't exactly think of the type of tree that's flourishing. You know, I think of Hawaii, but I don't necessarily think of a beautiful, flourishing tree. So why is it that the righteous are compared to a palm tree and that we are flourishing like a palm tree? Well, you know, anyone who's seen footage of a hurricane or a tropical storm, we can see that the palm trees, they're bending in the wind. And they're bending right over, they're almost touching the ground, yet they don't break. And you know, palm trees, they were created to bend but not break. And I believe our faith was created to bend but not break. You were created to bend but not break. So today we're speaking on faith in worship. You know, when we worship God... It brings us closer. We're drawing close to him. And when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. You know, it's a deepening of our relationship. And in that place of worship, when we're living our lives as worship unto God, our faith grows. So what is worship? Well, worship, it comes from worship. That's the root meaning of worship. And this means that it's whatever we place the most worth on in our lives. And so how can I know if I am placing the most worth on God above all else? Well, when you really check your heart, what is it that you long for most? What is it that you spend the most time on? You know, humans were created for worship. If we're not worshipping God, we're going to be worshipping something else. You know, if we have placed the most worth on God in our lives, we will know that we're okay moving on from the life that we thought we had, if God says move. We'll be okay moving on from the job that we wanted because we never placed the worth on our lives or ourselves, but the worth was always on God to begin with. You know, it says in his word that God, the Father, is seeking worshippers. He's seek, actively seeking true worshippers. 
In John 4.23, it says, True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So what is it to worship in spirit and truth? Well, spirit, God is spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we are spirit beings. And when we worship, our spirit is connecting to spirit, so it's spirit to spirit, and our spirit responds to him in worship. His spirit in worship sets our spirit on fire. You know, I think of in worship, it's like we come into a place of worship like dry ground, like in Ezekiel, it speaks of a desert with dry ground. And as the river flooded that desert, it brought life to all the dry land. Life sprung up from all over the place within this dry desert. And, you know, without worship, our faith will dry up. So in worship, we are brought to life. That river of life will be flowing out of us. And truth to worship in spirit and truth, we worship according to God's word. What is it his word says he is? What is the truth in his word? And as that word is revealed to us, we respond in worship. And you know, so the Father, he seeks such worshippers. He's seeking worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. But you might say, well, I don't know if this is me. What if my faith is pretty low at the moment? You know, and 2020, it speaks of clear vision, and this year has been a real year. What if my faith is low? How do I worship him? Well, my first point for faith and worship is that we must come humbly to God. You know, when we decided to do this series, Do You Believe in Me? I was like, well, what kind of question is that? Of course we believe in God. I wouldn't be here. You guys wouldn't be here if we didn't believe in him. But, you know, I think if in all honesty we really check our hearts, we all have some unbelief in there. And, you know, belief and unbelief, it can coexist. And I want us to have a look at this story in Mark 9, 23 to 25. This is a story of a father, and he brings his son. His son is demon-possessed, and he's been throwing himself in the fire, and the father's desperately seeking help for his child. He takes him to the disciples. The disciples try to cast these spirits out of him, but they are unable to. And then the father, in desperation, goes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, please help us. And then this is what Jesus responded to him. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people 
came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The boy was healed instantly. You know, the father came to Jesus, yet he had a hard time even believing that Jesus could do it because why could Jesus do it if the disciples hadn't been able to? Yet once Jesus said, if you believe anything is possible, and the man instantly confessed before Jesus, I do believe, please help my unbelief. And then instantly the boy was healed to overcome unbelief in our lives, we must be willing to completely surrender everything, saying to Jesus, help my unbelief. You know, our full surrender, our lives in surrender, it leads to sacrifice. And in Romans 12, 1, it says that this is our true worship, that we must lay our lives as a living sacrifice. You know, God hears our cry no matter what the size of our belief, but we must come to him humbly and lay it before him. Just like this man in the story, he laid it before Jesus. He said, I believe, but please help my unbelief to come up. I want my faith to rise up. Psalm 24, three to five, it says, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So who may stand in his holy place? It says clean hands, and this speaks of confession. And the man in the story, he confessed his unbelief. And we must confess, acknowledge it, and repent from that unbelief, coming to him into his holy place with clean hands, a pure heart. What is a pure heart? We must come to him with the right motives. We must check our heart motives as we come to him. So to have pure worship, we must seek his face. And this is the second thing I want us to look at, seeking God's face. You know, seeking his face, it means that we seek God for God not for anything else, but for who he is. He loved us first, and so we respond to that. We must check our heart motives. You know, there's times when we can be praising him. Maybe we're in like a desperate situation, and we're praising God, asking him to come through for us, and it's okay to ask him for things. But when we're asking him and we're in that place we're worshiping because we want something because we need something that's not the right heart motives we must seek him first because he is God for who he is when we fix our eyes on his face this is true worship you know things change when we seek his face rather than his hand you know, the, I recently, just after lockdown, um, I was getting the kids ready for school and, you know, it had been two and a half weeks of them not being in school and Leo, 
that's my seven-year-old, for those of you who don't know, he started to get really nervous about going back to school after such a long break. And as we were walking to school, he's like, please, mum, don't send me, don't send me. And he was starting to look around and really get panicked about it and I was talking him through it as we were walking and saying it's going to be fine you're going to be okay and he kept panicking panicking and he just would not stop and then I took him by the hands and I looked him in the face and I said Leo look at me and he looked at me and in that moment his whole body language it just changed his face changed and he relaxed and he knew that I would not put him in a situation that was going to be bad for him. You know, when we gaze at the face of our father, it's the same. Our countenance will change when we're gazing at his face, when we're seeking his face. You know the word presence in the Bible? We see it all throughout the Bible, entering into his presence. This word, it's a literal translation from the Hebrew word face. So the scripture we all know and love so well, Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. So literal translation, in his face or before God's face is fullness of joy. When we can really get a hold of this in worship, we are standing face to face with our God, with our creator. That changes everything. And this is pure-hearted worship, seeking him for his face, for who he is, not for his hand and his blessings and what he can do for us. You know, this speaks of closeness, this intimate relationship between us and our Father. You know, we see Adam and Eve in the garden, and they walked with him in the garden, but then after they sinned, They hid, they ran and they hid from God. But in worship, we can return to this place of walking with him face to face because Jesus tore that veil. When he died for us, he tore the veil that was between us and now we can seek his face. We can walk with him. We can look to his face. You know, we can lead presence-led lives, our entire life-led by his presence, which is placing his face, who he is, seeking his face, placing it before us in our entire life. Right now, my first priority, it must be to glorify God. In your career, your first priority, it must be to glorify God. In our family, our first priority, it must be glorify God above everything else. And this is our true worship to God. You know, in this season, just like the story I shared about Leo, if we're looking around at everything, we're feeling stressed, we're feeling panicked, we're feeling uncertain about our future, instead of looking all around, we just need to press in, look straight ahead in his presence, in his face, and our countenance will change when we're looking into the face of our Father. Seeking his face, it changes us. I don't know if you've ever met someone and you've thought there's something so different about this person. And then later on you find out that they're a Christian and 
I truly believe this is because they've been staring at the face of their father and we become like who we spend the most time with. Everything about us will change. Psalm 17:15 it says, "As for me, because I am innocent, I will see your face until I see you for who you really are. Then I will awaken with your form and be fully satisfied." fulfilled in the revelation of your glory in me. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we set our face to seek Him, things shift in the spiritual. God moves when we humble ourselves and we seek Him. And we are transformed in that place of worship. And this leads me to my third point, which is worship is warfare. Worship is not just simply to get lost in his presence, but it's so that we can meet with him and then go out and share his love. And when we go out and share his love, we can know that he goes before us. He fights for us. He fights on our behalf as we go out into the world. You know, 2020 has been an incredible year, a crazy year. And maybe for you, you feel like everything is crashing down around you. But I want to encourage you, don't allow the enemy to steal your praise. Because our praise, it leads to worship. When we thank him and praise, it leads into worship where it's all about him and seeking his face. And this worship, this is warfare in the spiritual realm. You know, there's this incredible story in the Bible of King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. And this is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And you know, there were three armies coming for him and his people. And they were coming against him and he knew that this was certain destruction as these armies were coming for him. But the first thing it says about King Jehoshaphat, it says that he set himself to seek God. The very first thing he did when he heard these armies were coming against him, he set himself to seek God. And he says to God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. His eyes were fixed on God. God responded to him and he said, do not be afraid The battle is not yours, but it's God's. And so once he heard this answer, he sent the singers, the worshippers, the praisers, he sent them out, pushed the army, the soldiers aside, and they went out to the front and they started to worship. They started to lift up his name and things began to change. You know, as they came out, they were lifting up his name And the army started to approach towards them. And as they were coming towards them, 
Instantly, the armies turned on each other and the soldiers started fighting each other and they completely destroyed each other and no one was harmed in King Jehoshaphat's army. You know, his word says to magnify God. When we magnify God, we're not adding to him. We're not making him bigger, but we're making him bigger within ourselves. And as these singers, they went out, they were magnifying God. They were making him bigger. And the enemy gets scared when he is bigger. God is bigger within us. The enemy fears that. So we must set ourselves, just like King Jehoshaphat, set himself to seek God, to seek his face. And God will move on our behalf. He fights our battles as we enter into worship and place him above all else. You know, in Psalm 84, this is such an incredible scripture. It has to be one of my most favorite psalms. And this for us, church, this is my prayer for you. This is what I'm praying over you. You know, it says, it talks about um, the worshiper and how they are seeking, how they are longing to be in God's presence. And then when they have placed God first, they've longed to be in his presence, they've been in his presence, seeking his face. In that place, transformation begins. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. This talks about our pure motives, our pure heart intention of seeking God for who he is. With my whole being, body and soul, this is spiritual and physical. Worship is both spiritual and physical. We bring our whole beings, everything we are, to God. I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength, it comes from the Lord. His strength, our strength, it comes from the Lord. We can know that he fights for us in that place of worship. He goes before us and he fights our battles. He is our strength. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of a refreshing spring. This is the transformation that takes place as we enter into worship. We are transformed and maybe you feel you're in a season of a valley of weeping. As you lift up his name above all else in your life, place him first, seek his face, you will be transformed. Just like I spoke about that desert where the river flooded the desert, that valley of weeping becomes a place of refreshing. 
And this most incredible line in this whole chapter, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. If all I have is one day left, I want to spend it in his presence. 